0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Ninjabling.com, the online home of Moritz Royce Jewelry, the exclusive jeweler of The wrist Show. Check out their huge collection, including one-of-a-kind pieces from the Simon G. Collection. Or they can make you your own custom-built piece just for you. And because they have an upstairs location, Moritz Royce can save you money over the street-level stores. Make an appointment. Head to Ninjabling.com to get the Address and phone number. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Mort's Royce Jewelry, where you get the jewels and not the shaft.
2: They're back! Wait till you see the newly renovated Hot Shot Spenton. You're going to love the smoke-free environment featuring enhanced viewing options, a redesigned gaming area, live odds tickers and sports line boards, refreshed dart and pool table areas, and an all-new covered outdoor patio. Construction's finished, and the Hot Shots team can't wait to show off the new amenities throughout. Come see all the changes and visit them at hotshotsnet.com. You're going to love the new look. Hot Shots Fenton is now open. Well, here we are. Uh, it is hotter than hell outside and no better time than to talk about a little hockey than uh, than right now. And it's going to be one hundred and forty seven degrees outside the last minute blues podcast, the summertime edition of the show. You've got myself, Donnie Fandango, Jamie River. Gentlemen, what's going on?
1: It is hot ah, as hell. It is, there. my goodness. Like one o something, right? That yeah. feels like. At one seven, oh too much. At
2: 7.30 <laughs> this morning, it was it was like offensive and oppressive. Like that, you know.
1: forty five this morning, my car said uh, seventy nine degrees or something just disgusting like
2: that. It's it's one of those days, and I love living here, and I do, but it's one of those days where I go, hmm. Of all the places that I could have chosen to live, I got to live somewhere where it's hotter than the face of the sun. That's yeah, nice.
3: Well, yeah, I'm from Canada, right? Oh so God. you try to get used to this, and it's taken me twenty some years at that point. Because in Canada, like your nighttime, you can go hoodie. Even it's beautiful, like 85 during the day, sunny. At night, drops down to like you know maybe. High 60s, you know, a little campfire, you're fine. Wake up in the morning, walk the dog. Maybe a little zip up. (laughs) Everything's great. (laughs) I get up in the morning here at like 6.30 this morning, let my dog out. I got hit in the face as I opened the patio door. By just like a hot mist, yeah,
1: yeah You know what? It, it, it reminds me of Vegas. It's like somebody has a, a hair dryer and just pushing it right, in your face. man. A hundred percent. It's just like hot air just coming so at you.
3: You go to Vegas to get a hair dryer put in your face. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. It's always and something other, weird
2: with them, dude. Few, it's always something a weird. You yeah, just ask. I'll bring
3: one in next time.
2: <laughs> you know, I have to say this. To, I have to say this to Jamie. This is embarrassing to say, but it's but it's too good to not. Uh, during the parade, I was. You're um, talking about the Mardi Gras parade, the, the, right? Right. <laughs> During the, the Blues Championship Parade, I was at Broadway, and uh, I was right by the Hilton there at the ballpark. And I was about 10 people back, all right, enjoying the parade, loving every second of it. I saw you, oh, and boy. for some reason, I start yelling your name like you're going to friggin' hear me under the thousands <laughs> of thousands of people. I didn't hear people. you? No, <laughs> dude. And so at some point, as you guys like kind of turn the corner, I go, you moron there's no Not way there. he could there's possibly no even uh-huh. remotely hear you i was just so excited to know somebody in that parade that would know my name i just didn't know how to i didn't know how to respond validate me now, how validate far down me. the route were you at that like uh i mean we were pretty we i, I was pretty far down because it was making the left turn to go towards oh, okay. the arch grounds so okay no so, we so by that point down. i may
3: have been uh, blacked out. <laughs> remember now, how you said you were enjoying the parade?
1: Yes. Jamie was enjoying it more. Right. Dude, like, at
3: one point I had a beer in one hand, a bottle of champagne in the other, and a stogie, too. Oh.
1: The only reason I know that is because that is
3: right a go, that's a Jamie Rivers. Hat trick, okay? <laughs> that's what we call the Rivers hat trick. Now, when
2: I saw you, you had a Stogie for sure. It was like I, I'm pretty sure it was a Stogie and a beer situation,
3: oh. and you looked like you were in Vancouver. Like it, it, it like you did. Yeah. It was fantastic. Now man. you did, that, although it wasn't Mardi Gras. It didn't stop Don. I do remember you trying to show your boobs. Well, yeah, yeah, he does. I have mean, you but but seen not, this? I didn't hear him, but I saw him. The man's, I mean, the, man's day, that, the man's areolas
1: are amazing.
2: Uh, it's yeah, any area. day that ends in Y, man. Sometimes. I just like to get them out. You can't blame From, me for that.
1: <laughs> From a standpoint of a guy who used to just be in the trenches all the time, how amazing was
3: that? Uh, that was incredible, guys. Like, honestly, I, I try to explain it, but it's it was surreal. It was like an out-of-body experience to see. Like, we, we started on 18th right in front of Union Station where you'd go into park, you know, and we could hear a rumble. And that day was kind of raining a little bit, so you're like, oh, darn it. Maybe... Thunder is going to come back and it's going to suck, you know, because it was a big moment. But as we turned on the market, the rumble was the fans Mm -hmm. and it looked down. It was just a sea of blue and people were partying and losing their minds. And like I got chills up and down my body. And at that point, I looked at Cam Jansen um, and we were kind of like, holy crap, together. And then I just, I remember, I don't know why I said this, but I looked at him and I said, we're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> Obviously, a Wizard of Oz reference, for anybody who may not know that. I wasn't that drunk at the time. But at the then, as soon as we saw all the people, I remember going, how much beer do we have? And we popped open the, clear, the coolers because I'm like, this is going to be epic. Yeah. And then we waited a little while, and we broke out the champagne, sprayed the crowd, and I was like, I wanted to, you know, we're not part of the players who want it, we're former players, but at the same time, I felt like we owed it to the fans to celebrate with them, too, for all the years that we didn't do it. Right,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> Here you go. Here's some champagne. Enjoy this. This is amazing.
1: What I think, uh, I don't know if you told me this in person or if I saw this on, on your social media. Somebody asked about the jersey you were wearing. Yes, sir. Explain what happened oh, there. Somebody right. said something about, oh, wow, where can I get one of those jerseys, right? Something, yeah, something it, to that effect?
3: Well, it's a collector's item, first of all. Hockey Hall of Fame. had uh-huh. to, uh, I had to get permission to get the Rivers jersey out of the Hockey Hall of Fame. <laughs> it's a joke. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I had a couple of jerseys, and, you know, the alumni wanted us to wear jerseys. And there had been talk of planning to make some jerseys, and everybody's like, no, we're not going to do that. Because, you know, that's just to chinks the team. We're not going to get special jerseys made. So the word was, bring whatever you have from your playing days. If you have one from your era, bring that one. Well, I had two of them because of two tours of duty here with the Blues. One was in the 90s and one was in the mid 2000s. Number six and number 20, if yeah, you remember. Exactly. I brought both those jerseys. And uh, so then I, I made the conscious decision because I, if anybody knows me well enough, I'm not a fan of the 90s
1: away jerseys with mm-hmm. all the red. Yeah, on the and red all. stripes going sideways. I just, like, yeah, at
3: that point, I knew we were going to like. We're gonna get lit up. Like, there's gonna be some beer. There's gonna be some stuff. So I was willing. Out of the two jerseys, I'm willing to sacrifice that jersey. <laughs> yeah. So that one got covered in, in beer and champagne and stuff like that. What
1: but, I love about the the story is it's oh man, what a classic Rivers jersey. Where can I get that? And he's like, this was my actual jersey that I used to wear. <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Ac- it was. Oh yeah. it was the actual jersey from back in the day. The actual jersey. Just, I mean, I have a Rivers jersey hanging in my my closet. It's not game worn. Is your Game-worn jersey just hanging in Jamie's I actually closet. have,
3: like, you know, from almost every team. Well, actually, every team, I have the jerseys just in my closet that's hanging there. So I mean, funny. I have my very – actually, that's not true. My second jersey I got with the Blues when we changed the color scheme to kind of what it is now when we switched it, and it was so cool to do that, mm-hmm. that jersey um, is in a frame, and I had that put up in – in the basement or whatever. But every other jersey is just sitting on a hanger in my so weird closet.
2: Make. It's amazing to me in this run how that look, that striped red-blue look kind of came back. Like, I saw it in a lot of places. And I remember thinking... None of y'all people liked this for real yeah, when it was
1: new. There's a reason why this isn't currently being used. I, remember <laughs> well, those
2: I never guys. understood the red. I yeah. mean either, man. Well, somebody help me. And, and I remember yeah. seeing the press conference for that. And I, I think it was Brendan Shanahan that might have been one of the ones. And I remember going, I love that that player, but I hate that freaking jersey, <laughs>
1: yeah. man. Now I the home ones weren't it.
3: bad. The home ones had, um they were, excuse me, white with the blue diagonal. Yeah, right around, yeah. And, and a little bit of red, like a couple of stripes, little pinstripes. And I was like, well, that's a pretty cool look. And, we, you know, we played, though we wore those ones at home because at the time you wore white at home. Right. Yeah. Well, then you get on the road and you had these red, predominantly red jerseys and you are the St. Louis blues and it's kind of, it looked a little clownish to me. Yeah, and it did. Most guys, 99% of the guys didn't. Enjoy that jersey, and I always right.
1: think of that as the Gretzky, Gretzky era yeah, jersey. As well, you well. know,
3: how I said ninety nine.
1: Yeah, that's yes. what made me you think go. of it. Well done. Well. I was actually Thanks. trying to help
3: you there, Jeff. Thanks. Buddy. Underhand pitch.
1: Well, so <laughs> we are we are
2: here in, in this off season. Uh, free agent signings have happened. The Blues have made a couple of moves. Pat Maroon's still out there, but as you're as we're kind of looking at this right now, looking towards the 2019-2020 season. I know the Blues signed Sammy Blay again. Um, Can you talk a little bit, Jamie, about what the Blues have done so far uh, as far as looking towards next season?
3: Yeah, uh, Carl Gunnarsson was a big signing. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I don't know if we had a chance. I can't remember last time we spoke, but Carl Gunnarsson uh, to me is, you know, a $2.53 million defenseman, especially after winning the Stanley Cup, being a big part of it. Yeah. And he signs for, what, 1.5 or 1.7? Here at the Blues for two mm. years. I mean, it's an incredible deal for the St. Louis Blues, and you know we talked about the vanilla ice cream, yeah. right? Yeah, this guy is like the Mac Daddy, the best vanilla ice cream out there, and and we got him at half price. So it makes him because even we tastier. were speculating, it makes it so much better. Yeah, I oh thought we gosh. were speculating that he could get three, four years. I didn't think he'd be resigned here. Yeah, and not because he didn't want to be here, not because the Blues didn't like him, not because we didn't love him. It's just money yeah, and yeah. the salary cap and all the restricted free agents. And, you know, so they got that deal done. And I was in shock and talked to Gunnarsson, and he was thrilled. What's, it, what's his number
1: again?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll
3: send that to you. Okay, Never. appreciate that. Um, but <laughs> Never. Yeah, he was really happy to get another couple of years here, and he loves uh, the environment. And that's the big thing is when you're signing these guys and. Whether it's your current roster, the guys that could potentially leave, or unrestricted free agents looking to maybe come to St. Louis, the culture that you've created now, like everybody, it was all eyeballs on St. Louis in the final, and Boston, of course, but being that the Blues won, a little more spotlight. And every guy around the league saw a great coach with a great environment, a great culture, a great team a team that's set up for a couple of years to come, and we'll get into some of those restricted free agents and that in a little bit. They saw a city that loves her hockey team. They saw TV ratings that were through the roof. They see merchandise that's broken records. They saw a parade that was off the charts. Those are selling points. So if your contract is up, you're Carl Gunnarsson, you're going, I kind of like that. I want to stay here even if it's a little bit of the, uh, the hometown discount.
1: It, 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 from a standpoint of hockey players are some of the most uh, superstitious people or athletes in the entire world. Does it, would it ever play into your mind that, oh, man, who's going to win back-to-back? If I come back here, I'm not going to win another championship. No, next you're year. always
3: thinking that we're I guess win. in
1: your mind, you know you're always going to win. You
3: always want to win, yeah. and you always think that this could be the team. Like next year, like every year I went to training camp, there's not one time we went to train. Well, maybe one time went to training camp where we're like, "There's no chance we're winning the cup this year." Right. But every other time, you're like, "Yeah, this team's got a shot." Like, look at us. You know, we're pretty deep. You know, and then you look at the rosters that win. You're like, "Yeah, we weren't close, but every guy thinks they're going to win it every year."
2: So the the you, you know you say the Blues are set up for the next couple of years, and by all accounts, it looks like they are. How do you avoid what has happened in Chicago? Maybe it's to a certain extent in Pittsburgh. Not as much in Pittsburgh because there hasn't been the fall off. But how in the hell do you manage that salary cap so that you are able? To have a little bit of flexibility while still having O'Reilly and Tarasenko and and all the contracts in which that that you have, that's I mean that's going to be seemingly the biggest challenge for Doug Armstrong from here on out, right?
3: Yeah, like three seasons from now. Okay, so, so two more seasons. This one coming up in the next season, we're going to be great as far as contract and salary cap status goes. Uh, we run into a little bit of a roadblock with Braden Shen. You know he's going to want like seven or eight million, especially when guys who are scoring less points and less valuable or signing seven million dollar deals he's like sitting there going keep getting the money boys right. how
1: soon is he going to need that when is his contract up? He know he's got time? one more season okay yep. so after next season is when you're saying he's going to say hey pay me
3: correct now in doing that you can also say okay by that point robert thomas might be able to slot into center on the second line and yes we'll lose some grit and some leadership but we got a guy who potentially could put up the same numbers maybe more so you're kind of okay there Alex Petrangelo is two seasons from now, and you're looking at that going, what will he get out there? Mm-hmm. Tyler Myers, who's an average defenseman, is getting six, seven million. Petro's gonna, his starting point is going to be nine. So, to answer your question without going through the entire roster right. of guys right now, this season and next season, I think the Blues can be under the salary cap and competitive. Your top two dogs right now, O'Reilly and Tarasenko, are both at like seven and a half million which is peanuts compared to what some guys are signing for the 11 and 12 million dollar mm-hmm. deals. The blues don't have that obstacle yet because they got good contracts with these guys two years from now, it's going to start to suck. We'll see where the salary cap goes as far as how high it goes. Uh, if it stays close, then yes, yeah, some of these young guys, Sammy plays Robert Thomas, the Jordan Kairos, a lot's going to be expected. these uh, out of these young players.
2: Well, and just to follow up real quick, Jeff, before I, I didn't mean to, to jump you, but uh, Sammy Blay, What is? how do you view his role going forward? Because he kind of definitely seemed to be a fringe guy that all of a sudden towards the end of the year just made this, you know, really important impact. Not that we didn't know of him, but it just seemed like he was a guy and went from being a guy to
3: a guy that we really maybe won in that 12 every night, right? I think you do. Uh, This is a guy that was a goal scorer predominantly in, in junior hockey and even the American Hockey League. He was putting up numbers. Now, to stay in the NHL, he changed his role a little bit, and we saw how you know much he, he got out there and was physical and was in guys' faces and played that role. But we also saw, saw him score a couple of goals. We're like, wow, this guy can you know maybe put the puck in the net, especially like that breakaway on Ben Bishop where he comes in and just rips a slap shot yeah. over his shoulder. Like, that's not by accident. This guy can do this. So I think his role uh, will increase. Now, does he slot in next year where Pat Maroon was? that's, you know, Pat Maroon's up in the air, and I know we're going to get to him yeah. in a minute. Uh, but, you know, Sammy Blake can bring that kind of game to the to the team. He can play that cycle game. He can play that physical game. He'll go to the net. He's got the goal-scoring touch. And you're getting him at 850000 right now, which is a bargain. So I think, you know, the upside of the ceiling for that player is, is really high. So I think we expectations should be high for Sammy
1: Blake. And Zach Sanford just signed a couple-year deal for, uh, was it two-and-a-half? Three altogether, like, uh, something like that. One point two per season. Yeah, so three, something like that, or two fifty three, or, or two and a half three, or two and a half. Yeah, uh, for the contract. We'll help you. Where Where do you see him next year? Because he's a guy that I dig a lot, and I thought he and Baruby uh, got along very well. He was Barubi's kind of player. And then all of a sudden, he sat for a while.
3: Yeah, I think he. You know, he's still trying to figure out the consistency part of it in the NHL, and, and that's hard, especially when you're six four and you're expected to play a certain way. He didn't play that way for a long period of time, and he found himself in the press box. He came back in the playoffs, especially in the final, and played that way, and man, what a difference. He got the ice time. He had a presence out there. He was involved in the play. He was a difference maker. So I think that's what you're basing that contract off of, and I could see him sliding right back in there with O'Reilly and Perron to start next season. I mean, why would you change that? You'd have to look at hands. that.
1: I think he's so calm and has great hands. When he has the puck, he does not freak out at all. No, he's got the
3: skill. He's no. got the size. I think if he brings that that bite to his game consistently, uh, he'll be in you know the top nine.
2: I uh, I read a report a couple days ago that Pat Maroon has a number of one year offers that are out on the table right now. He's looking for something you know maybe in the two to three year range. One, do you think it's realistic for him to do you think he could get two to three years? And I would assume for him to come back to the Blues, it would probably be another one year
3: deal. Yeah, I mean, unless he's willing to drop, um, you know, his price tag, he's 1.75. We know he took a bit of a haircut to be a part of that team last year in. Turned out to be a fantastic decision for both the team and the player. Mm-hmm. Uh, but moving forward, I think with the restricted free agents, like we can't forget here that the Blues still have Bennington to get signed, Joel Edmondson to sign, and they still have Barbashev, Renke, Fabry. Well, whether you think those are going to be big contracts or not, you got to get them done. And you also have Oscar Sundquist that's sitting out there. So you got a lot of bodies that yeah. you have to you have that to take care of those away.
1: guys that all chips away that's right no so matter how small the salary is.
3: what it does is it puts Pat Maroon in a holding pattern for both the Blues and Pat Maroon if he wants to come back to St. Louis because they're like well we don't know how much money we'll have so I can't just go give you you know, X amount of dollars, and then all of a sudden I run out of money for my restricted free agent.
1: So that means he's not the priority for, for the team.
3: Not, well, not right now, he, and he can't be, Jeff. And the only reason I say that is because he he is a 30-year-old player. He is, you know, I don't want to say the end of his career, but he's a one-year deal type player. Mm-hmm. He's not your future, mm. right? And I love Pat Maroon. He's a great friend of mine. love the family. Big, big Pat Maroon fan. Big Rig is my guy. But if you're looking at... Oscar Sunquist or Barbashev right now, and you have to decide, do I take one of these guys ready I sign Pat Maroon for a one-year deal? Well, have, the decision's easy, right? Because yeah. you have yeah. to think about the future. We talked about how it could be depleted in a couple of years. Well, you have to have guys who can carry the torch, and that's going to be those guys. Unfortunately, it won't be Pat Maroon in two years that's carrying the torch. You know, one player, man, that
2: I, I have wanted to ask you about this since the season, season ended. Where does Robbie Fabry go from here? And, and is he a blue next year, do you think?
3: I don't think he is, personally. Now, you know, I, I could be wrong. I've been wrong, like, once before in my life. <laughs> um, but is I'll... that doing this podcast
2: with us?
1: It was a... the day I met Jeff Burton. Um... <laughs> hey, you're the one who swiped right. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you're right. But I was in England. It was Backwards. <laughs> So, uh, but, you know, Robbie Fabry could be an interesting bargaining chip uh, moving forward. You qualify him. You don't want to lose his rights for nothing. You've invested time and money into this player, and you don't just let him walk. So Doug Armstrong very intelligently qualified him, which is under a million dollars, to keep his rights. And now he's got to decide, do I sign this guy again, which I could probably get him. Around a million, maybe a little less, because he doesn't, not like Robbie Fabry has a lot of leverage mm-hmm. in this situation. Or do I package him as part of a deal? Because, you know, a team like Carolina, a team like Ottawa, a team like the Islanders, these are teams that, you know, the Oilers maybe that are looking for, uh, you know, a little project to recapture a guy's career. Maybe at the price tag, you're like, yeah, you know what? If Robbie Fabry gets me 15 goals, it's worth the million dollars. So And then the Jake Allen question, of course. Right. I, I Jake Allen, in my opinion, will be here to start the season. He will be the other goalie, not right. the backup goalie. We're not going to focus on the words backup because of the money. People go nuts on that. But if you are going to move a Jake Allen, if maybe you put Robbie Fabry in the deal, and now you spiced it up for a team to take on that contract of Jake Allen. But, but realistically... Someone taking on Allen's deal at this point is very – the chances of
2: that are pretty slim,
3: right? Well, you, you listen, you say that, but everybody now around the league is following the model of the 1A, 1B goalie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at Chicago. They've got like $10 million or more invested in their two goalies. Now, we've talked about this before where there's like a $7 million – the unwritten rule, $7 million ceiling for your tandem. The mm-hmm. GMs try to abide by that because they associate a certain dollar amount – with each position in order to fall into the salary cap properly. Uh, if you do it individual to individual, it can get kind of messy. So you try to, you know, number it. So $7 million is what you'd like to spend ultimately for two goalies. And if you look at the last four Stanley Cup champions, Pittsburgh Penguins had uh, Matt Murray and Mark andre Fleury mm-hmm. as a tandem. Then you had uh, Grubauer and Holpe in Washington mm-hmm. that were 1A, 1B. And then this year, Bennington and Jake Allen. So, the formula is kind of there, and most GMs are looking at that going, wow, we need a two-goalie system. Carolina has uh, re-signed Peter Morazic and cha- traded for James Reimer from the Florida Panthers. Both are $3 million goalies. You know, So it's not like there's a backup anymore. Mm-hmm. You say, yes, I guess a guy that gets less starts. But I think the quicker we just focus on the fact that Jake Allen is going to be the other goalie and not so much he's a $4.3 million backup goalie, the easier it is to wrap our brains around that. And if I'm Doug Armstrong and Jake Allen wants to leave, and he's like, I want to be a number one, well, okay, Jake, it's pretty easy. Go out there and play so damn good that my phone doesn't stop ringing. Make my job easy by earning it. And then if you do that, you'll get your number one spot. I'll trade you. I'll get something in return. It'll make the St. Louis Blues better. But until then, Jake, St. Louis Blues are better with you as the other goalie Playing twenty five to thirty games, I just see no sense in. And I mean, it, I mean, if you get a deal, you
1: get a deal. But I don't think you force anything. No, because I think there are worse
2: worst case well, what's scenarios. Your backup plan? Have, you right? want
1: Willie right? Huso to be your backup exactly. goalie. He's your future. Most right. of the people who want him gone are just upset. That's it. Right. That are, that get are, over it, right? And let's think of some positives about having the man here. During the playoffs, from what I understand, he he mimicked the other team's starting goalie.
3: Yeah, that's that, actually that you was, know what that
1: came from him. From what I understand, and he was like, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do." That's what a teammate does. Team player. Couple things on that, and you're you're
3: you're bang on here. Is one, he he never was a problem in the locker room. He was never a, a distraction while he took his demotion. Let's say, and Bennington was you know in the spotlight. Never once a distraction. He was so much a team player that, like you said, Jeff. He went in and studied the opposing goalies' weaknesses, and would mimic the way they played in practice, so that players would shoot on him and be able to, you know, in you know stressful situations, shoot the puck where they need to to expose the opposing goalie. Which we saw them pick apart almost every goalie in the playoffs. Yeah, sure
2: did. And so Surgically by, almost, man.
3: But by doing that, Jake Allen is actually making himself a worse goalie because he's applying bad habits to his game. So it's personal sacrifice. Because oh, if, you throw, man, him, if yeah. you throw him in the pipes after he's emulating all these guys and trying to do all these things that maybe aren't great, like it's just habits Because he's
1: not playing his, his That's own right. style. Yeah. His, his mu- muscle memory is off now.
3: Correct. So and now Jake Allen's going to have to go back to the drawing board in the offseason and get Jake Allen's game back on track.
1: Now yeah. I feel so bad. Now I feel so bad for ever saying a bad word about him. Right. <laughs> Mr. Allen, Mr. Allen, I apologize. No, I and just would get frustrated. That, yeah. that was it more than
2: anything else. I never Yeah, frustration. yeah exactly. Yeah.
1: Frustration. And the other thing that I want to say about our other goalie before we move on is that I was super happy about the fans and the St. Louisans not giving him anything besides positivity at the parade. Because oh. I was concerned about that with Jake Allen. I really was. And it was nothing but standing ovation, rounds of applause, go you, all of that. I think we were so out of our minds (laughs) that it
2: actually happened. I I mean, like, I'm trying to think of an anti-St. Louis guy that I think we would just embrace that day just because we were there and drunk. You know what I mean? Like As a guy in a blues jersey, (laughs) yeah! I love you, man! Uh, uh, You're
3: right, though. I mean, it was nice to see that. And look at Jake Allen deserves a ton of credit because there were some big games that he had to play in coming down the stretch where you had to rest Bennington on the road. And Jake yeah. had some big games. You look at his numbers. If you look at Jake Allen's numbers, following Jordan Bennington kind of being declared the number one, his numbers are sensational. Yeah. So you, what are you going to say negative about the guy? Now, I don't know. I think I still think he's got a lot to give. Uh, is he a number one right now as it sits? No, he's not. But could he potentially get back to that kind of play? I think so. Yeah. We've seen it before from
2: Jake. I think what's so crazy to me, Jeff, before, before we could move on with the goaltender situation, with how mental it seems to be. I mean, not. I mean, obviously you have to have the skill and all those sorts of things. But man, it's if it seems like you are not locked in the way you need to be locked in mentally, it well, doesn't matter how good fundamental
1: as a you former are. player. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like the mental side of it can get off if you have some non-success because you're standing there by yourself in your own head for so much of the game. Yeah. Jamie and everybody else is down at the other end of the ice trying to score, and here's Jake sitting there in a goal thinking, thinking about, about the last goal that he let in or thinking about the guy heckling him right now because there's nothing going on around him right now. He's just sitting there by himself. That's got to be tough.
3: Yeah, I've never been the goalie, uh, but I can tell you from a player's standpoint that even when things are going bad and even if you're sitting on the bench, yeah, you do feel like you're alone. You feel yeah. like, does everybody hate me? You feel like all this stuff, right? Even though you're still in the mix, but it's like it gets multiplied by a thousand in your own head. And, you know, you feel insecure, like, oh my God, those guys are over there. They're talking and they looked and laughed at. Well, they looked at me. Are they talking about me? Do they think I suck? Do they think right. I should be sent down? Should I
1: be traded? You know, what was their reaction when I let that goal in? The you coach know, hasn't said stuff. hi to me in
3: two days. Right. Like, yeah. it's like, what's going on? Like, it's amazing the inventory you start to take, you get in your own head, and that's. The one thing I learned over the years is, dude, just every time your your skates touch the ice, that's what you can control. Right. Go out and work your hardest, and that's it. If the coach doesn't open the door for you to go out there and play, figure out why he's not doing it and get back to work. Right. Don't let
1: all this other stuff in.
3: That's
2: all you can do, but that's like a maturation thing. You oh, it know takes what I'm time. Saying? Yeah, absolutely. It took me
3: like 10 years to figure that out, yeah. so.
1: All right, so the uh, uh, the free agents obviously are still out there. And when we first got together, I was ho- I was saying to Jamie, "How come they haven't signed this guy? How how come they haven't signed that guy?" So we have a list of what I believe are the unrestricted free agents out there. And tell me, as a hockey fan, why number four on this list this Ryan Dezingle, Is and how you say it? Right? Yeah, Ryan Dezingle. So he's from uh, 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 Columbus. Left wing, so if if let's say we lose Pat Maroon, we need a forward. This guy is, according to this, he's 27 years old, 56 points last year, 26 goals, $1.8 million. Why is he still out there as the number four free agent? Well, one, he's not going to want $1.8 million. Correct, sure, yeah. According to
3: what I'm hearing, he's wanting a 3 $4, 5000000 million deal. Oh, boy. Oh, and, okay. you know, the one thing that's interesting with that is when you look at the numbers, you're like, oh, yeah, look at this guy. Look at the points he had. Well, he had 20 goals in Ottawa before he got traded, and he had four goals mm. in Columbus. And then he was a healthy scratch coming down the stretch. Oh, he was ba- barely played in the playoffs. And, and so you sit there and you wonder, well, yeah, maybe the 20 goals in Ottawa was just kind of a, a fluke or he was in the right situation or he was playing in the top three because Ottawa was so terrible sure. at the time and he just got more ice time. There's some red flags surrounding that player. He's a hell of a player, don't get me wrong. But is he a 3 4 5 million dollar player and is he a guy you're going to bank on or put yourself up against a salary cap and risk it?
1: No, he's not that guy. So you got Armstrong's checkbook, what do you do?
3: Well that yeah, yeah no, that's exactly
2: what I was going to ask. I mean, I don't who, sign
1: him. Okay. It, it, who do you sign? Yeah, okay. what
2: moves do you make well, you gotta are there get your
3: restricted you free agents put to bed, guys? Right. You know, we've got guys yeah, who are coming one. up yeah. for This is
1: what you said earlier. Yeah.
3: You, you got to That's that's if so you're, you're not, looking not even at, looking at this, yet. I'm not I don't even care about that to be honest because The player that I'm going to need following all my restricted free agent stuff is not a top six, top nine forward. It's not – look at the defense. We've got all 7D back. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to – you don't need anybody there. You don't need a goalie. We just talked about that. Right. You don't need a top nine forward at all. Once you get all these guys signed, you don't need a top nine forward. So you need a fourth liner. Why would you spend two million
1: dollars on a four? Damn it! It's like Dad is explaining how to cut the grass. To me. It really is. It's like Dad goes out there and says, "You trim first, <laughs> therefore you know you can go around with the lawnmower and all the edges are already done and everything." And you better empty the bag too when you're done. What, what's the time
2: frame here? What's the time frame on these restricted free agent signings?
3: A couple of them don't have a time frame. Like Barbashev does not have arbitration rights this year, so basically they're going to just go back and forth. And he'll be a wait-and-see process because that's what Army's going to tell his agent is, look, we've got arbitration with Binnington. We've got arbitration with Sunquist, We've got arbitration with Joel Edmondson. We don't know where we're going to fall with that. If we lose our arbitration case and if they're asking for the bank, we may not have a lot left. Mm -hmm. So it may be a a one-year deal for you or a two-year deal, a bridge deal, whatever you want to call it. And you say, hey, Barbie, look, you got to play for a million dollars next year. Uh, That's all we can afford. And then, you know, year two, we can give you $3
1: Something like like that. So like you said before, make me open the the door for you to get out on the ice. Show us in this one year that you – are are deserving of $3 million yeah. while you're playing for $1 million.
3: And I, I would I would say that that's accurate, especially with a guy like Barbashev, because, yeah, he had a good second half to last year, as did a lot of players. Mm-hmm. But the playoffs was kind of his coming-out party with Sunquist and with Steen. And you wonder, just the same as Bennington, as, as amazing as he was, it's still a small body of work where you're a regular in, in the lineup where Bennington's a number-one goalie. Can he do that for 50 games in a regular season? Can he repeat in the playoffs again? Can he give you that for a long period of time? I don't know yet. Uh, We'd like to think he can. But same with Barbashev is, can he play that role, that physical grinding role? Can he do that for 82 games? Or is he only going to be able to do that for 35 like he Mm -hmm. did? So it's the question marks there that you have to evaluate what
1: they're worth. And will he be sober by the time training camp comes? <laughs> I don't care. That's <laughs> forgivable. Dude got after it, didn't he? He Holy did. He cow. fell out of
2: the truck. Yeah. I saw that. Oh, my God. Ooh. Yeah. Th- that oh, and man. the Zach Sanford throwing okay. up in the car. Nobody address heard that. about
3: that. You shouldn't have brought that up. Nobody heard about No, that. let's address that, okay? Because Zach Sanford, for those who didn't see it, he puked in the car on the driver. Uh and whoever else was in the car with him. He tried to give it the old block there with like the two-finger block, and it didn't. That never
1: works in the history of Came out the
3: sides, and then he gave up, and it just came out everywhere. One, that's legendary status. In Jamie (laughs) Rivers' book, I'm like, that guy's a legend right now. (laughs) What would have been better is if he just stood up, embraced it, puked out the side of the (laughs) car— while staring at the fans, wiped his mouth with his jersey, grabbed a beer, and crushed
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> and said, I can do that. I'm a champion. Now that's Brett Holstad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <It was Brett. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> there right. was a time we threw out a wellness check on Brett Hall. I'm just saying. We did. I'm, I'm just saying. There
2: was a, right in front of me and at the parade, uh, Colton Pareco stopped, stood on top of a truck. Oh, my God. Right, Chugged a beer. And then threw it out in the crowd. And I have never screamed so loud for anything in my entire life. Like in my entire even life when he saw one a snake or something, things. right? Yeah, How about that guy?
3: Out. What a wolf in sheep's clothing Dude, he was, right? right? <laughs> this quiet country boy, big mountain man. And then he wins a Stanley Cup and he's like, Yeah. <laughs> yeah it was like
1: he ripped skin off <laughs> yeah. and came out of he himself. He unzipped his skin yeah. and I jumped out. I was watching out. him at the parade and I wish I had a 10 year contract in my hand. I would have said, I don't want you to go anywhere. Yeah, but, he's got some iconic
3: guy. pictures too from yeah. this whole run he was you know standing in the middle of the street Street, holding the cup over staring at all the fans yeah. and like it's just a, and on top of the truck you know with the arms out and right. he's like love people it. are like look at this animal i love yeah. it man
1: i love so, it so i love so it great.
2: here here here's it this has been our longest last minute blues podcast ever mm-hmm. And uh I gotta say, I got I think this might be our best one, boys. Well, I think
1: so too. It's yeah. been
2: pretty damn good.
1: Yeah, there's a couple a of ge- things I said I gotta edit Jeff's out. Jeff Sober. So that <laughs> helps. At <laughs> least I think he, he yes, is. That helps a lot. <laughs> Jeff Who? So
2: <laughs> we will uh, we will do this again. It's the last minute blues podcast. Before, you, <laughs> yeah, before yeah. I'm sorry
1: to cut you off, no, but no, I just no, no. I want a prediction from you. Pat a oh, blue
2: yeah.
3: next year or not? Um, as much as I want him to be, I don't think he will be a St. Louis blue next year. And I think it's just gonna be circumstances to where he can no longer wait any longer for the Blues to offer him the deal or to come at him with a price tag. He's got to think about himself, his family. And I think there's a deal to be had out there in, in, the, in the NHL
1: for Pat Maroon, and I think he signs it. Donnie has mentioned that there's a he thinks he's heard there's a handful of one-years sitting out there, and I'm sure Guaranteed. that's true. Does he have a ballpark in his mind that he knows where the Blues are monetarily?
2: Well, nobody. Where are
1: those teams at monetarily? You think,
3: Uh, well, that's a tough one because I don't really know who is all involved in the mix. Uh, You can speculate and things like that. But, you know, I I think Pat Maroon's a realistic player. I don't think he's looking at four or five million dollars. I think he's probably looking at the two million dollar range. Two and a half would probably be uh, great for him. Uh, St. Louis Blues. It's a question mark. We don't know what they've got for money. They haven't got these deals done. If Joel Edmondson comes to the arbitration and want six million dollars a year and the blues lose and they've banked on four million for Joel Edmondson. Well guess what? That's two million dollars short now on the payroll. Yeah. yeah. So you gotta you know you gotta wait and see. Ah.
1: Man, you bring a St. Louis in and he wins the Stanley Cup, and then you go, you just sit over in the corner. We'll be right with you. <laughs> but it's not like they're doing that on purpose. No, I know. You it's know? just it, that's the perception from the, a St. Louis fan standpoint. It's
3: not the player right now, and it's not the team. It's the the Situation. circumstances involved right yeah. now that are putting the pause button on, and it may be on pause too long for that player to pass up other opportunities. But
1: as, the, as the ex-NHLer, you have to give us – Fans from St. Louis, a little bit of leeway, knowing that here's a St. Louis guy that came in and he won a Stanley Cup, which we've been waiting forever for, and we're all going, oh, how cool would this be to do this again next year, especially with the St. Louis, and that's why we get sentimental about it.
3: Yeah, and I don't blame you, you know. And if this was the early 2000s or late 90s, it'd be no question, you know. There's no salary cap at that point, so right. you'd be like, ah, oh, so what if we spend an extra five million on the budget? Hey, we're going for it again, sure. you know. Uh, but you can't do that anymore. Yeah. It's You're just, right. it's I just want Dude to get paid.
1: Yeah. You know same what I'm here, saying? Same I, here. I I want Dude. He deserves to get, it, right? I, like, I, want, really I nice. want Dude to get yeah. paid. I, I want him to get paid and be in St. Louis, but I more just want him to get paid. You're I right. want him to get paid, but I
2: just thought of this. I don't want him to be a Blackhawk. I, I uh, just. I, I don't think there's a risk of that
1: all right. right
3: now. I don't believe there is. What about um, a Predator? I don't believe that's a risk either. Uh, good. I do believe that the Western Conference is available to him. There's some teams that we mentioned earlier in the conversation that have been talking, I believe, to him, allegedly. Mm -hmm. Um, But we'll see. You know, it's amazing how this works, and and other teams are going through the same stuff as the Blues are, with restricted free agents, arbitration, with all this stuff. And if teams lose a guy or somebody walks, or the offer sheets that are thrown out there, if they lose a young guy, they may have to fill a void, and all of a sudden Pat Maroon ends up, you know, On Team X, and you're like, well, I've never even heard of them. It's yeah. just because that's the game. way it
1: happens. What a chess game. And I know what you're saying about the whole, I don't want him to be a Blackhawk. Because when this guy left the Blues, everywhere you went, I was like, I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. Don't put a Blackhawks jersey on. I'm rooting for you. You know, that sort <laughs> of thing. I tried
3: to screw it up. I put a Red Wings jersey yeah. on.
1: Yeah. Oh, that, at was, that, that time, was tough That tough was enough, rough, dude. man. Sorry, that buddy. was tough. I always, and I said it every time, when you played the Blues, I hope you scored a hat trick but lost. Sorry, man. They, uh, we and, didn't and, lose when I was with the Red Wings. On a very, <laughs> very <laughs> side note, <laughs> <of, laughs> on the way out of here, I was at Little Caesars Arena
2: in Detroit the oh week God, before last. Right? What a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful building that that is. It's incredible. Yeah. We didn't get to to do much around on the inside, but I mean just the the outside of it, man, is just tremendous, man. I'll tell you tremendous.
3: this. The Illich family, you know, uh, unbelievable. Yeah. And when Mr. Illich, when Mr. I passed away, People found out things that he was doing in the community that nobody knew about. Just secret squirreling his way through and taking care of people. And what he personally and his family has done for the downtown Detroit area is absolutely off the charts. And that arena being one of them, the uh, Comerica Comerica, Park, Comerica Park, however you say it. And, you know, all the local restaurants and bars and things that have opened up down there simply because Mr. Illich... Said no, we're not moving the team out of Detroit because they could have went to Auburn Hills, they could have went to a number of places that would have built them a new rink, and he said, nuh-uh, no way, and he finally, unfortunately, he wasn't there for the unveiling of the building, uh, but you know he got his wish and that's Man. been transformed and it is a sight to see. Man, it's it's, amazing. it's cool to let people
1: know about that kind of stuff because most people don't know. The other end of it, I was in Chicago at the United Center, I upper decked every tour. <laughs> Screw those people. Even though they didn't have an upper deck. By the way, the Jamie Rivers info for today's podcast, he was a plus four for his career.
2: Very good. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie Rivers, Jeff Burton, Donnie Fandango, Last Minute Blues Podcast. This is a fun one, boys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.
0: To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health.